Hi, I'm Zoe Demke and you're listening to Uncommon. This podcast is brought to you by Neural Media. Are you an entrepreneur or marketer who needs help making podcasts, video or animation? Perhaps you don't have time to manage a freelancer or the budget to deal with an agency. Well, Neural Media can help you with simple and affordable content creation, saving you time and money by taking away the pain of producing that content. To learn more, head to neural.com slash media. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com slash media. Play around with our pricing or request a callback directly. Listeners to the show receive a special discount by using the promo code UNCOMMON. Welcome to another episode of Uncommon. My name's Jordan Michaelides and I'm your host. In this episode, I have for you Zoe Demkew. Zoe is a self-taught baker and founder of Bake Me Cake Me, as well as the co-founder of Bladder Cancer Awareness Group, BCA Australia. Zoe embodies the perseverance and work ethic of the founder she admires most in Ray Kroc of McDonald's fame, who was the inspiration behind her favorite film, The Founder. As you'll learn from this episode, the principles which make up this perseverance stem from the many quotes, proverbs, and lessons that her late father gave her, as well as the persistence and entrepreneurial spirit her family holds. The business of personalized biscuits and cakes will definitely be a growing niche in the years to come, and I think as Bake Me Cake Me grows, Zoe is definitely one individual to watch. In this episode, we covered a lot, over an hour and 50 minutes, including her Ukrainian background, lessons learned from her father, how her love of baking began, tough times and breaking the negative feedback loop, advice to those with anxiety and depression, the business of Bake Me Cake Me, and how to stay true and authentic in that process. And then, of course, we spoke about starting Bladder Cancer Australia. If you like the episode, do leave us a rating on your podcast app. Many thanks to our recent reviews from Steve, Michelle, and someone who seems to claim themselves as Homer Simpson. Share with your friends as well. Take a screenshot, post on your Instagram story, and just tag us at uncommon underscore podcast. If you want to watch the episode in full, search Uncommon Podcast on YouTube, and don't forget to like and subscribe. Show notes and all previous guests are at Neural dot com slash podcast but with that being said thanks for listening our regulars as always thanks for coming back our newbies for giving us a shot i hope you enjoy this conversation with zoe demkew how's it going <laughs> this is like crazy it's so weird i was That's um, good it's good it's a good little setup um it's very cozy yeah it is very cozy well, it's definitely warm the word. it's comfortable okay that's yeah. good We're, there's been moments where we've brought guests in and because we've got this, the guests can't really see it, but like on the back wall is all glass. So mm. on days where it's really sunny, particularly in the afternoon, that sun will hit. Mm. And this little aircon unit, which is sort of like a, it's very old. <laughs> it's just like, it looks like something that would be like, I think I can. I think I, I think can. I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like the brave little toaster. Exactly. Did you ever see that movie? I did. Yeah. I did actually. That's, wow. That's some nostalgia right mm. there. Yep. It's a good um, film. Think about nostalgia. I, you know, there's some interesting things that I found when I was doing your research. Okay. Um, I was trying to guess your background. At first I was like, is she Polish? Is she German? Because like in Lo- Lauren's family, they're 
German Polish and it's yes. Demku or Demski is, a, is yeah. a popular last name there. But then I think I realized you're Ukrainian, right? Yes. Okay, because yeah. uh, I noticed you had a post about Baba. Or you yeah, were Babushka. Babushka. <laughs> yeah, my Baba. My Baba was great. She uh, Well, I had two of them, obviously, but they've both um, passed away. Rest their souls. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, my mum's mum and my dad's mum were both amazing at cooking, but mum's mum in particular was just, yeah, incredible and she could make anything out of literally nothing. And, like, you could... <laughs> be making the same recipe side by side next to her and I've tried to make Varanike before with her teaching me and they just this is years ago hopefully I'm a bit better now (laughs) (laughs) but like she would just make it so much better and I'd just feel like doing the exact same thing as her but is that your dish what was the or what was the dish that you had growing up that yeah definitely those so so what are they so it's like a potato dumpling okay so they would make it like I do biscuit dough so like you cut them out circles you fill it with um, mashed potato onions and then you fold it over like a little dumpling okay and then you press the edges so it's kind of like a big like semicircle ravioli type wow. thing and then you serve it steamed or fried okay. like shallow fried um with either like a um, mushroom gravy sauce or a like caramelized onion and butter like it's terrible for you but it's, they are, it's comfort you. food it, it reminds me of um when we we're in um poland so lauren's dad's dad yeah is from Poland, yeah, down near Czech Republic. So Krakow mm. is the capital of the region, and yeah, those dumplings and little things like schmelz. Schmelz is what? like sort of like l- fat that is rendered on the pan with like little bits of meat. So like if you yes. cook like a, a roast in a pan, they they must pan fry it because it's it's like you can actually see the specks of like meat, meat. in it. Yes, yes, yes. And they put lots of salt on it because the whole area is like famous for salt mines. Salt, yeah. <laughs> that and like you go to the Jewish salty meats are like another big thing. Yeah, yeah. that's like all we have is just like salami, ham, blessed cheeses. Like it's just so <laughs> like guilty pleasure. It's so it's so cliche as well. I mean, like you get all my family's Greek, so you get all the cliche things, mm. and when you go back home or. When when you go back to those places, like just the the cheeses and the greens, the greens yeah. with lemon and all that sort of stuff. But um, why do you do you know why they came out to here in Australia? Because it's like Ukrainians normally immigrated to America and Canada. Yeah, and funny, like when I was living in New York, they had a huge Ukrainian community, which I was yeah. like living right next to. No. And I was like, Mom, I'm totally going to learn how to speak Ukrainian now. Like I'm going to go to the church every Sunday and like take these classes and like that just never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always wanted to speak it, so I was a bit bummed. But anyway, one day I will learn. I pick up things here and there. But yeah, um, yeah so my grand, basically my dad actually was born in Germany. Okay. Um, and he migrated with his parents when he was two. And how? What year was he born? Shit, you've stumped me. He <laughs> was okay. You can work this out. He um, he would have been seventy three, I believe. Oh, seventy two wow. this year. Seventy two. Okay, so say seventy two. About yeah. forty eight to f- around 48 48 50. I think yeah. so yeah wow okay yeah wow he was born in Germany in 48 did you know which part of Germany like south north or I'm not good with this 
Better like, with the cookies. <laughs> that like that would be fascinating though it, to see yeah, what yeah, life yeah. would have been like back then. Wouldn't it just? And I still because we've still got family though in Ukraine. Um, so my mum was born in New South Wales, but both sets of grandparents were from Ukraine, and then they came. So dad was born in Germany, and then he came across here with his family when he was two. <laughs> um, and then mum was obviously born here in New South Wales, um, but dad would well. Sorry, her dad um, would cut sugarcane. So that's what uh-huh. he used to do in Australia back in, in Brizzy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that he would live there for ages before he actually came back to Melbourne to wow. be with, you know, my grandma and my mum out in Brunswick and then they moved to Mooney Ponds and then there's a like such a big community over there as well still wow. there. Yeah. It, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what was the... The reason why they came out, like, well, why did they think Australia was the place? We should have That'd my mum in this podcast interview. <laughs> should have brought her in. Um, now, talking about your own parents um, yeah. and thinking back to your childhood, what's sort of your earliest memory there? Um, gosh, the first thing that actually springs to mind, possibly just because I went away to the weekend down to Mount Martha. <laughs> but we did have a holiday house in Mount Martha and I'm the youngest of six. So um, my earliest memories, I could just like even from photos that I've seen recently or looked up with my dad and things like that, um, I'd just be on the beach and like I don't really love the beach now. The sand kind really? of pisses me off. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> but like as a little girl, yeah, I used to love going to the beach and just, you know, running around like nudie Rudy and just like <laughs> getting amongst the sand and the waves and, yeah, that's all our house used to be on Prescott Avenue, so it was right near the Mount Martha shops, like at the crest uh, yeah, of the yeah. hill near the clock tower. I know exactly. If we still had it, it would just be so good. But um, yeah, they're probably my earliest memories at just every summer going down to that beach house with all of my brothers and sisters and we're all in different bedrooms and like it, to me because I was so little, yeah. Um, it just was like this huge ha- like tree house. It was <laughs> It was awesome and I had every birthday of mine down there. Yeah, because really? my birthday falls in it's January twelfth, so it's just we're all when we're always there. Okay, that's um that's so lucky. I would have yeah. Oh really? To have why to, to have a not not for the birthday to fall then, but I mean to have that house as a kid. I would yeah like love that. I remember my dad used to take us down to um Sorrento like every mm. every summer we'd at least go down for a few weekends in a year, but we didn't. Like, because he was running a business, we didn't really have the money to rent a house or buy a yeah. house or whatever. So, we would just literally go down for the entire day, mm. come back like really, really late. But that, that that was the shit, man. Like, those were the days when uh, things were a little bit simpler, I simpler. think. <laughs> it was just so good. Yep. And just like you'd walk back from the beach and just like, you just have sand everywhere and like just <laughs> whatever, you know. Yeah. You had no cares in the world. Exactly. But I think my mum would have been like, oh God, those rat bags. Like <laughs> so many kids to look after and just. You got like. But I remember a very happy life like down there. Yeah. Um, but then I think we sold that house when I was about. I think the last birthday I celebrated down there was when I was seven and then mum was saying that there was one year they just like didn't, we didn't use the beach house at all for one whole year. Huh. So, you know, as the kids, you know, we're, we all went to school and there's six of us to, you know, mum had to wrangle up. So we'd just be, yeah. And then, you know, their interest rates they were paying for our house in Melbourne was like 18%. Jeez, yeah, back, and they were back like, then. we have, you know, have to sell it. Exactly. We just can't keep this house that we're not really using or we didn't use for a whole year. What did your parents do for work? 
So dad was a financial planner. Okay. Um, so back back in the day, he used to sell insurance. Um, so uh-huh. you'd be door knocking, um, selling insurance. And I think that's also where I get a bit of my sales traits from and like <laughs> selling my own products and things like that. Because I just distinctly remember he was saying like, Zoe, you've just got to believe in your product. And if you believe in the product that you're selling, it'll be a success. Yeah. And so, you know, there's times where I've dealt with wholesalers or some something, cafes or whatever, and they actually just don't even believe in your product. And it's like, it's just so disheartening because all the work that you do put into it, mm. whether they haven't researched themselves or whether I haven't told them enough information, that's a different story. But um, yeah, I... What was the question? <laughs> this is what happens. I like sort of go off track. And I'm like, what, what was I talking well, your about? Da- you were saying that your dad oh, yeah, so sells sold, insurance. And, and that- then, yeah, so that sparked that sales kind of thing in me. But then he worked for AMP. Okay. And then he, I don't know when he started his own financial planning business, but he did when we lived in Monomath Avenue in Canterbury. Okay. So he converted the whole top floor, similar to this place, really? um, to his yeah office. So he had like six, I remember being a kid and having like six, seven people come into work <laughs> at my house, which was so weird. Um, upstairs and like, it wasn't, now that I think about it, it's weird, but as a kid, I was like, oh no, this is just the norm. Like people just come here to work. Like, yeah. you know, don't go upstairs during dad's, you know, work hours. But then, you know, after six o'clock or five o'clock, I'd just like play on the whiteboards and like <laughs> be so fun. Um, so yeah, he used to have a financial planning business called Franklin House okay. um, and mum became the secretary, I guess, or she just, she was working for dad for a while. Um, and then like her full-time job was looking after all of us, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Of course, it would be six kids. Yeah. Do you have like um, any nostalgic uh, sounds, smells or anything like that related to your dad and his work? Like, for example, my dad's a printer. Yep. I just love going into his work and like running around on the machines, which you could never oh, do anymore yeah. now. Yeah. Massive OH&S issues yep. and, you know. But I loved the smell of paper. The smell of paper still yeah, gives right. me nostalgia to this really? day. I don't know why. Um, not, uh, not really. Honestly, I just remember like dad's office was huge. So his personal office. We had a huge uh, billiard table, like a champion size um, pool table. Um, and the smell of that office was like dust. <laughs> like, cause I just remember just so much dust piling up on like files and like dad would, dad would be a, um, serial sort of like start a book and then go on to another book. So he'd have like seven, seven books going at the one time. And I feel like that's kind of what he used to do with his files. <laughs> like he'd be like, here's someone's work, here's that. And then we're just going to put that there. And then we're going to put this here. And there was just files like everywhere all over this billiard table. Like, wow. And then we had, yeah. So that's probably the only smell I get from my dad. <laughs> Dust. Dusty <laughs> Dust, shit. Dusty stuff. Is there like principles to this day that you carry with you from either of your parents that they taught you directly or indirectly? Yeah. Um, God, like where do you start? There, there's, there's heaps, but I do remember there's like some distinct quotes that dad always used to drill into me because he would just be such a bookworm. Um, and what was one of his favorites? I think I, or his favorite, like, is it an author? Nikos Kazantzakis, who did- Rings a bell. Um, Zorba the Greek. Uh, Zorba the Greek, <laughs> yeah, really? that's why. So I'm like, that's his favorite book. Um, isn't There's a movie, yeah? Yeah, there's a, it's basically a movie on uh, 
the philosophy of life, I guess, and it's sort of um, it's rooted in Stoicism, which is okay. a very, very strong sort of Greek form of philosophy that is actually becoming very popular amongst tech companies today. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's basically like it's sort of just like meh personified. Yeah, that's literally yeah. what it is. Yep. So it's sort of um, I, I feel like I. You've written the quote somewhere. Yeah. And I've seen it. There's one. Well, he used to say, I'm pretty sure this is also Nikos Kazantzakis. It was like, Zoe, ev- well, he used to say Zoe at the start of it. He was like, every, I think he saw, slightly changed the quote, but in his words, and this is actually on his, um, at his funeral, because he just said this to all of us all the time. We made bookmarks as the, um, what do you give out, like at the funeral? like a, So it had his photo so people could actually take it instead oh, of wow. just a booklet. Yeah, yeah. It was like a bookmark people could use could and we laminated. Yeah, and then use it in their books. And, that, and at the end of each bookmark it had one of Michael's favourite quotes. So um, there was one that was, every generation must learn that the top of the stove is hot. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it's slightly different, but that's what he used to say. Yeah. Um, and then there was another one that was saying um, by the same author was life is trouble, only death is not. To be alive is to undo your belt and look for trouble. Okay. So I like that too. <laughs> That's a good one. He And then I think he, he spoke a lot about putting elbow grease into things. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just like I used to just complain. <laughs> I feel like at work I just like to get shit done. Yeah. But like... If I'm outside of work, I'll be like, what's this? What's this? What's this? And he'd be like, stop complaining. And even, and so, and yeah, so I just remember dad would be like, Zoe, just just put some elbow grease into it. Like, try a bit harder because I'd be this weak little thing. Yeah. Couldn't do anything. <laughs> and then he'd be like, yeah, do some, get some elbow grease into it, Zoe. I like, I, I like that your dad had these quotes. There's, yeah. there's something very uplifting about... But I feel like when he was around and he'd be saying them, I'd be like, yeah, 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 like whatever. And then it's, of course, like he's not around anymore. So now I sort of, oh, my God, like resonate with them so much more. And like when I'm baking... But that's the power of it. Yeah. If I'm fucking tired, sorry, yeah. excuse yeah. my language, but if I'm bloody tired after working like 16-hour days and I'm still rolling out dough, I just literally think of him saying... Like, put some elbow grease into it and just, like, get that little bit further. Yeah. And it's also the way that you embody them after they're gone. Like, uh, my yaya recently passed away and we, she used to have these, she used to have quotes. Mm. And, uh, but also little things that just were so funny. Like, instead of swearing, she'd say crumbs or shivers. So, I've actually noticed, like, I've started saying crumbs. (laughs) Crumbs. Which is such Uh, a lame, like, you know. Something from multiple <laughs> generations ago. But but how cool is that, that it does pass from, from generation. generation to generation? Yeah, and it, it just allows you to remember them a bit more. And I, I, I've always been a stickler for quotes. Yeah. So I do like that. I like them too. <laughs> I like them on Instagram and stuff like that. But bang, bang, bang. Yeah, it's, yeah, I like them. Now, your early years, Bake Me, Cake Me began as a side hobby. Yep. I think way back in 2011, you were doing visual merchandising. Yeah. Now, I found uh, this is where Lauren's very handy. Uh, yeah. So, you did Project... She probably know a lot of stuff. Yeah, She knows anyway. a lot of stuff. You did Project Runway, right? Yeah. So, I was... Oh, I did it twice. Oh, you did twice? Yeah. So, the first time I did it, I was just in the finale show. Um, okay. And I'm pretty sure my designer for the finale show was Johnny... Sh- Johnny... I forgot his... 
because there was two people. There was Johnny Shembury and then I'm not sure if that is by Johnny. But anyway, Johnny was my designer that I walked down the runway for and now he is by Johnny, the designer. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was the first year and then the second year I, God, I don't even know how I, I must have auditioned for it. I can't even remember. Anyway, I must have auditioned, went on camera, did a runway catwalk thing and then got in. So I lasted from the first episode to the very finale final episode with my designer Tristan yeah um hang on Tristan Tristan Mele does I feel like he was based out of Melbourne Central at one point oh I don't know he's well known locally yeah yeah and like well he he's come from across from the UK it was English potentially yeah there was a Tristan that was on Project Runway see I did um I did this course in year 11 it was God, it was like textile design. Yeah. Because I wanted to get into tailoring. Oh, yeah. And really? I was the only guy doing the class. Yeah. So, it was bizarre. It was it was just a weird, weird scenario. Like one guy, 30 girls in, in the classroom. <laughs> and then um, we got like a placement or something during the year. And it was at this place in Melbourne Central and he was oh. there. But he went on Project Runway like two, three years later. Must have been him. Like I would assume. Did you spell know. it with a Y? Or was it with an eye? No, nah, with an eye. Damn, it must be different, Tristan. Uh, anyway. If so you're you- listening, Tristan, <laughs> wasn't you. <laughs> so you did that. Um, you worked. It said you worked in visual merchandising for about a decade, right? Yeah, fashion, so visual- fashion, it's all kind of comes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, so back my first ever job, I think I was 14 and a half, whenever you could first get a job. I worked for a catering company and they were based in Richmond. Okay. Um, worked there for a year with my two best friends and we got fired. We all got fired. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Just, you know, I think I wasn't bad. But anyway, we'll chatterboxes, whatever. Then I <laughs> I got um, a job with my sister. So Jackie, my eldest uh, sibling, started uh, the fashion label White Suede mm-hmm. um, and now she has – DMQ is another label, um, but she was opening her first shop in Chapel Street, Paran. Okay. So this is when, yeah, I was 15 and a half, I think it opened, 15 and a half, 16, and she was opening her first Paran shop and she asked me, like, well, I don't even know if she asked me. I think she was just like, <laughs> can you work there? I was like, yes, I need a job. Great. I love clothes, you know, cool. and I, you know, loved what she was doing at the time and even more so now. So I just grew within that company really and so I was working there and doing VM and then I finished my VM course yet actually a lot of the things that I was doing in VM I would always relate to food. Okay. I didn't even study food technology like I stopped food tech in year nine or year 10 or whatever and I did like maths you know sciencey kind of subjects in year 12 but I even my visual communication and design a year 12 assignment or like portfolio half of the year I did headpieces okay (laughs) and then the second half I did a whole folio on like um I love pop art and Mondrian and Andy Warhol and I made this baking tin (laughs) so that it was based on like that the Marilyn Monroe print um, screen print that Andy Warhol did and you basically, it was a screen print of her face and you basically like make heaps and heaps of these cakes and make the make the, um, what do you call it, the screen print of all those Marilyns uh-huh. the repeated Marilyns but in cake form Why? So wow. that's like where cakes kind of started I guess okay. and then 
I would never tell anyone, but like after school, every day religiously, wouldn't do my homework, wouldn't go out with my mates. I'd just come home and watch YouTube videos of like Betty Crocker. Really? <laughs> like Betty, yeah, they, Betty Crocker had a channel and it was like a cake decorating channel. And this is before wow. fondant or anything. It was just all buttercream. And like, <laughs> I just used to sit there and just like watch these videos for hours and hours, just like absorbing all this stuff. And also stemming back from when I was a little kid, from like the age of three or four, I would ask mum to grab down from like, you know, the big cupboard at the top above the oven of the um, Women's Weekly Children's Cookbook, Children's Birthday Cake Cookbook. And I'd just sit there and just look at those pictures for hours and hours. Wow. Why do you think cakes were the thing? I don't know. I think maybe by the time mum was up to her sixth child, she never gave me a cake. (laughs) (laughs) It was just my birthday's always in summer, so I would always have an ice cream cake. But I don't know. I just loved this idea of like, wow, you can make something look like a swimming pool made out of like jelly and like chocolate and you can eat it. Like it's like an art form and you can eat it. Yeah, because like – I was thinking about what is it that makes you really enjoy it. Now, initially, I was thinking, well, you're naturally a an extroverted or seem like an person. extroverted person. You yeah. like to talk, and I've always thought that maybe it was the what came together because I noticed that family is a big thing for you. Mm-hmm. And so, was it potentially that cakes correlated to big family gatherings? It's sort of a blissful moment for you, maybe. I don't know. Not at all, actually. (laughs) This is, you'll find this funny. So, when I was like, when I was a young, you know, toddler, whatever, they'd sing me happy birthday, that's fine. But when I was from about like four, five to maybe like 10, every time people sung me happy birthday, I'd cry because I hated attention. Like, I was just like, everyone stop looking at me. I'm going red. Like, I didn't hate the birthday cake. I loved the birthday cake, but it's like, I hated those like, 20 seconds of like happy birthday to you. It's like, what are you meant to do in those seconds? Like, it's so awkward. Anyway. um, That's funny. So I just, I hated it. You can, there's so many photos of me like crying with my birthday cakes, like looking, staring at my birthday cake. I remember when I was about six years old, I've got the photo. Um, It's pretty funny now that I look back, but I'm like crying so hysterically looking at this cake. So I don't know. I just hated the attention, but. I think mum did used to make heaps of birthday cakes and cool birthday cakes for all my brothers and sisters. Okay. Um, But I guess, yeah, family, I don't know. I just, I found it very therapeutic. Uh Uh-huh. So when I would watch those Betty Crocker things or or any cake decorating video, I would use it as like a stress reliever. And I feel like a lot of people sort of, you know, say today like all this ASMR kind of stuff (laughs) and I feel like that years ago used to be my like ASMR ASMR, kind of thing I just like I would just zone out and like any stress from like exams or sack periods or whatever I'd just watch these videos and it'd be so calming I I can imagine that I remember when uh, like year 12 and first years of uni doing exams and whatnot for me it was um, Heston Blumenthal yeah. doing experiments that like uh, there'd be some videos that were leaked on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. And um, hey, yeah, maybe it's just that, that whole process. It's sort of, you're so, cause with cooking and, and hospitality in general, you're so in the moment mm. a lot of the time that, um, you know, it can just get you out of your head a bit. 
Yeah, definitely. Even like when I was working in um, fashion and like I was running the the retail side of stores um, in the later, you know, in the last five, I'm talking last five years, um, when I was doing that, I would love, I would like every Monday that I had off, I would say, girls, you can't contact me on a Monday. Like if it's urgent, contact me. But if it's not, that is the day that like I do baking. <laughs> and like it was great because it was the one day that I actually didn't have to put up with other sh- girls' shit. Yeah. Like <laughs> I literally did not have to deal with like rosters or like just any uh, that I just could focus. And it was just a good exercise for me to be able to focus on one thing because uh-huh. I feel like Lots of people in my family and maybe lots of people in general, we always have like so many tabs open in our brain. <laughs> so I feel like it was just like a really nice, you know, spiritual moment even just to focus on what you're doing and just focus on that exact action or, you know, icing a cake or whatever. What were the different stages you had as you were teaching? Because you you said that you're self-taught primarily. Yep. So what was sort of the things that... You know, like, did you have a chocolate cake stage and then, like, you know how, like, yeah. caramel was, like, all the rage? Yeah. It still is a bit. but It like, still is a bit, yeah. Salted caramel is still, like, one of my favourite flavours. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like when you first start, obviously you kind of look at um, trends of what, what's trending on Pinterest or whatever. Um, when I first started, cupcakes were all the rage. So they had heaps they of cupcake were. shops. Yeah. I feel like cupcakes are... Like, obviously, they're still popular, but they're not as nearly as popular as, say, cookies. No way. So, and I've always been a cookie person. I tried to get into, like, going to eat a cupcake and it's like, I just don't really like it. Like, (laughs) I don't really, like, they're too much frosting and, like, you kind of eat the frosting, but then not the cake. I don't know. You're meant to, like, actually, do you know how to eat a cupcake properly? Uh, You're meant to slice it in half. Yes, like, you rip off the bottom. No, so you rip off the bottom of the cupcake put it on top of the frosting and eat it like a sandwich. Oh. So then you get like, you don't get, yeah, so it's all wow. equal. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. But like as if anyone's kind of going to do that. But so anyway, it started off as cupcakes. Then it sort of went into cake pops. I did a lot of cake pops. Yeah. Um, but I used to do them like Oreo truffles. So I used to do the easy cake pop option. Now these are, for, for people listening, those are sort of like, they're like a cone with a cake. Yeah. Right? So it can be a cone or it can be like on a stick, but it's basically the, how you make a traditional cake pop, I get shivers. Like I don't like doing it because <laughs> you make, basically you make a beautiful cake. Okay. So you've just pulled it out of the oven, smells delicious. You let it rest, let it cool down completely, maybe leave it overnight, take it out, crumble up that beautiful cake. Oh, no. <laughs> mix it with a bit of frosting in your hands and then you roll it into a ball. So it's kind of like a bird's just eaten all this cake and <laughs> just regurgitated it. <laughs> You've just mum about it. I just don't love it, but, like, I don't know, people like – I do like them for parties and events. I just don't love the process I, I think it's a bit weird. That's why I started doing these Oreo truffles. So I would crush up Oreos in a food processor, add cream cheese, and then like it would make this like awesome, just delicious Oreo dough. Okay. <laughs> and then I'd just roll that into a bowl and then you dip it in chocolate. Oh. But yeah, I put them in like cones are sort of my thing, I guess. And then I do the sticks, but I do them upside down. So the ball is on the table. With that's the right. Yeah. yeah. And that's why like as I didn't know much about, I didn't even know it was a trend. I knew about the cupcake. Cupcake, cupcake trend. trend. Yeah. I remember like the days of, um, was it Cupcake Central? Yeah. 
That was, I remember that was like. And Joy the, Cupcakes. That's right. Yeah. There was one down, I went to Swinburne Uni and there was one down near Glen Ferry yes. Station. Yes. And I used to, that would be like my treat at uni. Yeah. I'd go to the Vietnamese roll place and then round the corner yeah, to Mel- so good. Cupcake Central. And they had really good coffee because nowhere, nowhere locally had any good coffee. Coffee. Mm. Um, but they seemed to have it. Um, just back on the point of teaching yourself. Yep. Uh, I know you, you, I feel like you did like a course there somewhere at Le Cordon Bleu. Like you, I saw you in like an outfit with a little blue oh, thing there. That, no, it was, it was the, while Le you Cordon were. Bleu. I would love to do that. Um, or is that while you were working in New that York? That was when I was in New York. Okay. So I, yeah, so I basically just, I went to New York on a whim. Like yeah. I literally went on a family holiday in like May and then mum and my auntie went overseas and I came home and I was like, I love New York. I'm just going to go back. And, like, I booked a one-way ticket whilst my mum wasn't home. Like, I know I'm, like, 26, 25 at the time, but, like, she would have been the one to, like, put me in line being like, Zoe, you only have, like, $2,000 in your bank account. Like, you can't afford this trip. You can't go. So, But I was like, nah, I'm just going to book it. So I literally saved up, like, I think I had in my bank account after everything that I'd like rent and all the Airbnbs that I paid, I had like five grand. Like I had nothing. Wow. <laughs> I had nothing in my, and that's Australian dollars too. So back had, in 2017? Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's not much to live off. No, it for six wasn't. Months. It wasn't. I was like, what am I thinking? I just thought, like, gotta go. I just gotta do it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I just felt like I had to do it then. And I probably shouldn't because it was so stressful towards the end. Um, cause I just literally ran out of money. And like there, there was that one time that I looked in my bank account and I distinctly remember the night because I was out with one of my guy friends or a couple of guy friends and we went out to some clubs and I was looking in my bank account and I just saw 30, 30 dot, like three zero dot zero zero. I was like, I actually have $30 in my account. Like, I actually was having, like, a mental break. Like, I was having a panic attack. And lucky because my guy friend was a psychologist. So I was like, couldn't be with a better person right now. And then he was like, don't worry. Like, everyone that comes over here that tries to make something of of themselves goes through this. Like, you have enough support around you even over here you will get by. Yeah. And I was, like, just holding on to that. And at the time I was already sort of working for Sat Nice who started following me on Instagram and they asked for pictures of mine to put on their blog. And when I said, you know, I just I just sent them an email being like, I love your product. I always use your fondant. Um, I have sent you photos before, but I was just wondering, I'm going to be in New York. I know that you're based in New York, upstate New York. Do you have any work available? And they actually responded like that next day or whatever the time zone difference was and was like, Zoe, we love your work. We've seen it. We follow you on Instagram. We're actually looking at doing a whole series of video tutorials for YouTube and we would love ah. you to be our video curator and talent. Wow. And I just remember getting that email at like 1.30 in the morning, like bawling <laughs> my eyes out and like this is still in Melbourne, but like I was like, who can I tell? Like no one's awake. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine at that moment it would be That huge. was really fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. So you... So you've taught you up until that point. You've so, taught yourself. You've gone over there, and do you feel like that was where you went to a next level, or do you think that it just solidified what you already knew from a technique perspective? Um, I think it solidified it. Um, 
I think it just, it also solidified that that's what I'm meant to be doing mm. in life. So yes, I've done the VM so because I did the VM for a while. Then I was working in fashion, like I did the retail side, running that. Um, I was doing the modeling. I worked in events for a little, like well, I, I still work in events occasionally when I have time, but I was working for this balloon company um, and that didn't work out. Just a lot of things worked out, but a lot of things didn't quite work out. Yeah. And it I was think sort of guiding you down the you've path. You've just got just, to find your path, yeah. yeah. And through all of that, you know, you have your good support networks and then you have your shit moments and then you have your breakups and then you have deaths and, like, you just have all these things that also make you a stronger, more resilient person. Mm. So I think going through my dad's passing, my grandma's passing, both of their passing away, um, breakups, just, you know, when I've gone through mental health issues or really deep depressions or anxiety and anxious times that's just built it's really what doesn't kill you just makes you stronger Mm. and i think like oh god you got to work 16 hours one day like that's puny like yeah that's nothing in comparison to what you've done exactly that's nothing (laughs) in comparison to living over on the other side of the world with nowhere to live with a crazy woman wanting to throw your kitchenaid on the floor and having 30 bucks in your account or like having your dad pass away like it's just nothing like yeah it pale. So, it, I think that's um, that's a good way to look at it because a lot of people, when they look at those moments, and this is a you know I've had ang- pretty bad anxiety as well. It's only come along in the last, mm. I'd say. Well, I've had it for about six years, but I've only dealt with it in the last six months. Yeah, right. But one of the things that you learn is, and this is saying that I think you spoke about on in the listen interview, mm-hmm. was. Um, the fact that, like, you know, negative thoughts, rehearsing things, all those things that you do in your head. Mm. Because most of what you do in life is really just, uh, it's a single player game. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, no one else is playing the game that you're playing. It's just you on your own. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, yeah, life lessons like that are invaluable, I think. And, And the way that you, I guess the way that you approach them like I said, can either make you or break you. Some people could have what happened to you and just become, you know, the type of people that feel sorry for themselves all the time and Mm. don't do anything. Mm. You know, I know so many people that just get stuck in ruts. Yeah, and and not to say that I wasn't stuck in a rut. Like, I definitely was. There was times that I was so sick. Like, I'm in food. I'm in the food industry. I love sweets. I wouldn't eat. Like, I lost, like... 12 kilos in a, you know, month period. Like it was just ridiculous from like not eating because I was anxious. Like I've never experienced like anxiety with food, just things making me nauseous. Like not that I didn't want to eat the food. I wanted to eat it. But when I tried, it just made me nauseous and I felt sick. Like, so I was just bedridden. I was so lethargic because I was so tired and didn't have any energy. So when someone would send me like, oh, we want these emoji cookies, I could not even like do an emoji cookie like and I felt like my brain was just like I remember going to bed one time and I my brain was like wired like I just felt like there was all these electrodes going like like could not like and I couldn't sleep I had insomnia I got addicted to sleeping pills I was seeing psychologists they were like stop with the sleeping pills (laughs) and I was like but like and then I could because you know I'd take up to three sleeping pills a night Jesus and I'd still wake up wow four hours later wow I'm just thinking back to that moment. Do you think that – when was that? 
So this was in 2017 before I so this was at the start of 2017. Um so I was still in fashion, but there was a number of factors that sort of contributed to how I was feeling. Um And it always does. It's always the thing that triggers it. Yeah, the, and then I was seeing this psychologist like, yeah, and I've said in those videos before, like six sessions and she wasn't really quite getting to the root of the problem. Like she was giving me good um, info to sort of do and practice things or whatever, but I was like, this is not right. But like it's just it's interesting to talk about because, you know, I, and I say like I feel like I was intellectual or whatever, like I I – couldn't break down at the time what the hell I was going through though. Mm. I could hardly like answer like if someone was like, what are you going to wear tomorrow? I'd be like, it'd take me like half an hour to answer a question. <laughs> like, so I, um, this is what happens to me. I forget what I talk about. <laughs> so you felt that, um, I'm just trying to think like, it sounds like you were seeing this psychologist, but they just weren't. They weren't fleshing out what the actual issue nah. was. And then so you were I, just going in there telling about your. I was just symptoms. doing it, like literally being like, "How are you this week? This, yeah. is, this is what's happened." And then it got to like that sixth session, and then it's like, "Man, I don't want to pay you like two hundred fifty bucks for like each session when we're not even tell, like getting to the what's root the point of the of problem. This? Like, yeah. what is the problem? Like, you're giving me this information on these sheets of paper, be like cognitive behavioral therapy, and I'm like." Whatever. Like, I wouldn't even look at those sheets of paper. So then I was like, all right, I'm going to write in my day planner when I feel good and when I feel bad. And I just do like a smiley face or a sad face. And like, I then was able to work out this is not what she told me to do. Like, I just did this because I was like, I'm just going to do something simple that will be able to tell me like when I'm feeling good, when I'm feeling bad. And I remember my mum, she always does like little sad faces and stuff or happy faces next to like events and stuff in her diary. So I was like, I might do that too. And so I was doing them and and then I it was a pattern. So like there was a factor that was always around when I was feeling bad. Ooh, so when I got rid of that, I felt honestly like a sigh of relief. And was the pattern a a person uh, work? It was a person. It was a person. Okay. Wow. And then to, to realize that's pretty powerful. That sounds like a previous guest who told me that he would look at each of his days and he would uh, mark his day a negative one, a zero or a mm. one because he'd been in a situation where he felt like every now and then he was hating his life and his work as he was yeah, starting right. this business. But when he looked back at it in hindsight, actually it wasn't much of an issue and then he could pinpoint the days where there, there were bad more, days yeah. and then go back and look at that that in particular. Yeah. But it, it's, you know, I, th- I feel like with anxiety generally, at least from what I've learned doing, going through this whole process again, like the six, they give you the six, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, the six things. It's like, do you want to come back? Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good. It's good that it's set up by the government because it, it helps a lot. Yeah. Um. But you learn. Uh. Basically, it's just you know you have like a high stress moment or high stress situation, and there's things in the past that you haven't dealt with. Yes. That that make that actually cause the issue. Exactly. And mine was the same thing. I it was an issue with food. I just all of a sudden I just struggled to swallow food. Yeah. I had this paranoia of like choking or like what it was. Like aversions to certain foods. Mm. Always have a dry mouth. And that's just they're all just symptoms of anxiety. Yeah. Um yeah. It's a it's amazing how powerful the brain is. 
It's exactly. And like the Mark Manson, like, do you know about Mark Manson? Yeah. Yeah. So, or maybe it was Lauren that was like, I don't know much about him. Anyway, um, so I like, like the only book I've ever read <laughs> is like um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. So yeah. I tried to read that when I was like not feeling well. I read it in New York and then I read it again when I came back to Australia and I was like, fuck, this book is just great. Because it's kind of like what you were saying before, like it's kind of like meh, but like, <laughs> I don't know, just like put blankly in front of you and you're like, wow, this person's actually gone through so much similar stuff that I've gone through. Yeah. And that just helped me a lot. And he talks about that negative feedback loop. That's the worst thing. And that is the worst. Because I, my first time with anxiety, it was like I was being anxious because I felt this weird anxious sensation yeah. that I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, that's why I was so anxious. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was anxious because, because I was anxious. anxious. <laughs> like, so when I, and then after a few sessions with that psychologist, she helped me just the first thing you need to do is just accept that this is a part of your life. Yeah, it's a very bitter pill to swallow. It's a yeah, it is. You're like, but this is not me. Like, I've yeah. never been anxious. Like, my friends aren't like this. Like, what? So, and then as soon as I actually was like, I'm okay with this, that in itself just started. I started healing. Yeah, that's when my brain became a little bit clearer, and I wasn't so foggy. Like I used to talk about being foggy to like friends and they'd yeah. be like, what are you talking Talk, about? I, like- get, I, I had get this thing where like I had it on the side of my head. Um, it's sort of just like a, just like tension. There's no, there's no other word for it. It's not a headache. It's not powerful enough for a headache, but it's just a sensation of something there. Yeah. And sometimes I get it at the back of my neck and then I realized it was just um, just fogginess. Yeah. And, and it was literally, I could feel it in my shoulders. Like, did you ever have your shoulders go really tense or anything yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I get that every day. Yeah. <laughs> but like, Baking. But yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what it does is it really makes you realize what you want to do with life. And yeah, it makes, totally. And it makes you very clear about that. It makes you accept the fact, as you said, that you have anxiety mm. and deal with you know, like I feel like we're lucky at the age that we are to have had this issue as opposed to like my psychologist told me that she's had a lady that's had health anxiety for like 35 years. I couldn't right. imagine dealing with that. That for that long. Yeah. And just living like day to day with that sort of stuff. Where if, if people were listening and they're dealing with the anxiety, what advice would you give them? Don't take the drugs. <laughs> um, no, no, no. So people's... Um, I so my dad like had was on um, antidepressants, mm-hmm. and I just used to see like what happened because like anxiety, depression, like it just goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You might feel anxious but not depressed. Yeah, I had both of them, and when I spoke to like my psychologist or whatever, they were like, "It's just hand in hand. Like if you're anxious, you get depressed." Which kind of like I understood, but at some points don't because you can be anxious and not be depressed. But whatever I was going through, I was the same like it was just you know back and forth so he was always on these antidepressants and I remember like he did he was a lot better as a, like a human being <laughs> but he remember I remember him going like he used to go off them because he'd be like oh I just used to sweat so much and like perspire and like I don't like them and they make me feel bad and all this stuff but honestly he might have been like too far down the rabbit hole of that, that he just should keep taking them. (laughs) But I just like was hating like the idea of taking this medication Mm. to make you feel better. Like, I don't know. I don't want to speak on behalf of everyone because 
that's their own journey and what they want to do is their own whatever. But I knew for me I did not want to take any um, antidepressants. Mm. So I was taking heaps of sleeping pills <laughs> and then I was I was prescribed Valium, um, which God. I was like – might save these for later, <laughs> like, <laughs> but I was like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not going to take this value. Like, I don't want to take any of that. I did take it a couple of times when I did feel really, really bad, and they it did help. I just don't think you should become like. I feel like some of these solutions are like band aid, sort of. Yeah, and I mean, I remember speaking to my psych about this because I was very clear with her. Like, I don't want to take this unless it's the absolute the last, last thing. Yeah, yeah. And so she was telling me how that. Um, she only prescribes it. The, the thing is, you got to find the right psychologist that, you do. that suits you personality-wise. You get yeah. along with, and I've seen, um, but they can challenge but, you. Mm. Yeah, I've seen many different psychologists, and some just don't press the right buttons. But I've been exactly. lucky enough to find one who does. And she was telling me that she would only subs- prescribe it before, not like at the start of treatment. Like if this p- person can literally. You know, like they can't go outside. Yeah. They probably need to take it. Yeah. Whereas if they're, you know, they're okay and they can work with, you know, lifestyle changes, changes in mentality, stuff like that. Yeah. And then they're still struggling at the end, then maybe a very low dose Dose, would work to sort of kick it for good and then ensure that Mm. they're still working with her. But you, you get a lot of people. Like I remember when I first found out I had anxiety when I was like 22 my old GP was like, oh, do you want some... Like, she just was, like, giving me a script. Just, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Exactly. This they're just weird. like, it's just they're, they just sign it off and they're like, take it. Like, I remember I saw... I've spoken about this in the listen videos too. Like, um, when dad passed away, I was, like, fine. Like, I dealt with it. Like, I was obviously in the acceptance part of grief already. Like, after he died, like, I just, like was crying my eyes out and then like five hours later I just messaged my closest friends being like my dad passed away today this is the funeral details like it was yeah. like I was fine six months later I just like it all hit me yeah. and dad used to tell me about the stages of grief when I broke up with my first boyfriend okay he saw me in my room crying and he was like I was putting away clothes or doing something to distract me and he came in and I was like I'm fine I'm fine and then <laughs> he left the room came back and he goes Zoe you need to know it's okay to cry. Like that's a man saying that to like, of course I'm a daughter, but he said like, it's okay to cry, this strong guy. So I'm like, okay. And then he taught me about the stages of grief, the you know, bargaining, acceptance, depression. So I, um, again, what was I talking about? (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) See, this is what happens. I just go on rants. I think we're talking about... uh, I don't even know. <laughs> Cry, crying and dep- but depression as something we're going back to. We can go back to the antidepressants, but yeah, um, I can't even remember what I was talking about. <laughs> you got to ask me another question. It'll I, trigger it. Yeah. I feel like we were talking about. Uh, oh, but a- sorry, I was seeing his psych. That's right. I was seeing that's his right. psychiatrist. I feel like my dad used to do this stuff all the time. It's right. annoying. Um, psychiatrist because he was the last person to like speak to my dad and talk to my dad and he's the one like I had a bit of a sit down with him and like I couldn't even speak at that point like I was like nothing's making sense or it probably did but like in my head I was like not good enough like I can't Mm. so I just wrote everything down and I just gave him this exercise book and I was like here you can read this and this is what I feel like because dad always told me to like write how I'm feeling down to just help 
deal with anything going on in my life. That's probably why all my captions and like Instagram, I just do vent and tell what people are, what I feel because it just helps me. Huh. Do, yeah. you, do you think your dad diarized? Like, do you reckon he had a diary and stuff? Yeah, funny you say <laughs> that. He had, um, mum and I found this thing um, the other day and he writ- wrote it on the back of like a card that he got. He, he must have been around the corner actually in Epworth or something. Okay. Is Epworth around the corner from here? Uh, in East Melbourne. Yeah. 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 So he was there and he got some flowers sent and then on the back of it, it said like to Michael, so glad your procedure went well, yada, yada. And then on the back, he must have, he always had like little diary, but he wouldn't, he would forget to where he put it. So like he'd just write on scrap pieces of paper. And then he, after his procedure and after this thing, I'm pretty sure I've taken a photo of it. I can try and find the exact words, but it was like, Oh, I've, I've just got to find the exact words because I'm not going to do it justice otherwise. But it's something like I would like to improve my life based and I'm going to write four main points. These are the points. <laughs> and then it was nothing. <laughs> Jesus. So it was just funny. Anyway, very classic Michael. He was probably drugged up from all the, uh, the anesthesia. Probably. He had beautiful handwriting as well. Did so he? I always said like for my first tattoo, although I just got my eyebrows feather tattoo, <laughs> but for my first tattoo I wanted like a... I don't know, a script of his because on every birthday card he wrote me, it was said, love always, love always mum and dad. But his handwriting was so beautiful that the last like six months he was around, he also had Parkinson's. So he no longer could write. So that was also, I still have every card that he's ever written me just next to my bed. And every time I'm feeling down, I just read them. I have every card given to me on a birthday since I was born. Yeah. I love that stuff. I love it. I always, I've got this box and it's got cards and like, I don't know, just heaps of old like nostalgic things. I love going through it. Even if it's got like old boyfriends in it, I'm like, it's just. Who cares? Who cares? It's the time. Now the, the brand. Anyway, yes. Bait Me, Cake Me. Yep. When did this come about? So it was. Like where, where, who, where did the name came from? Yeah. Uh, it, I was at White Suede in the Paran store on Chapel Street. So this is back in. Whenever I said 2000 and maybe say 2012, I think I started it because mm-hmm. then I was posting stuff on my personal page and everyone was like, you always post photos of cakes. <laughs> so then I started a Bake Me Cake Me Instagram um, and I came up with the name at work and we were just, you know, had done everything that we needed to do for the day and we were just, we would, I was trying to think with my girlfriend Susie who, would, who was working at there at the time, just a cool name. And we were just, she, you know, was like, okay, let's come up with something like rhymey. And then we were like, bake me. And then we were just like, and then we just came up with all these like date me, cake me, you know. I feel like bake me, cake me is like part of a song, like an old ad. Oh, it rings oh, a bell. No, it does ring a bell because it's um some heaps of people bring Anywhere this up. Anywhere you want me. Dun, dun, dun. I feel it's like, like it was like a bake of cheese. And it's from like this other rap song or something because they're like, whenever you say bake me, cake me, it reminds me of it's something. Definitely but like it a definitely lyric. wasn't from a song. I don't know. Yeah. At the time, we were just like rhyming words. Okay, <laughs> rhyming. Well, and then we were like, bake me, cake me. That's really cool. Okay. And then I and made the go. Instagram and I was like, well, it's just a hobby. So like bake me, cake me, that's just what it's called. And I remember I've only had two logos ever for bake me, cake me. Okay. And the first one was the one I designed and it was like, a cupcake <laughs> and like the bake me was inside like a frosting kind of shape and then cake me made up the patty liner uh-huh. and then it was in a circle with like a dotted outline and then 
when I started making emoji cookies all the time in 2015, I used to write, I can't emoji my life without you on like heaps of stuff. And then, so that was on my sticker. So that was like, I can't emoji my life without you. Bake me cake. Wow. <laughs> and then my brother designed my latest logo um, last year. Cause I was like, all right, I'm over this like cupcakey looking thing. We need a bit more modern. <laughs> so then he just, yeah, he did it for me. Um, what was the first sale? Like when did you realize this was no longer a hobby and this is saying, like, I know you were yeah. doing stuff for family and whatnot, but mm. who was the first person to pay you? Uh, my family. No, no, no. <laughs> um, shit, that's a really good question. It definitely would have been one of my oldest, like, I think it was one of my oldest brother's friends and so one of Nick's friends because, you know, they were all in their late 30s, mid 30s, and they were like, having kids and whatever. So I made a cake for one of their friends, this little kids, but I cannot remember who that was for. So I'd have uh-huh. to find it. I, I've got a feeling my first cake pops that I ever got paid for though could have been my best friend's party as well for her 21st. And also a lot of the guys, because all of the guys in my year level <laughs> that I was going to these parties when in 2012 because um, I was two th- I was a year later, so yeah, so that's right. So 2012, yeah, all the guys were coming up to me because like, they were like, mum wants a cake, mum wants cupcake. Like, <laughs> I don't really want it, but you're so good at it. And th- I was so surprised because like all the guys were like giving me more work than my girlfriends. Like, really? Yeah. Wow. So so where, did they, where do you think they found it? Just the fact that you were making cakes? Yeah, they knew it. Like I was making it and I'd just post it. on. I can just imagine you at like, you know, 2012, what? You would have been like 22-ish, right? <laughs> I was two thousand. I was 20. One? 20. No, because I was 21 in 2013. Just walking into like some house party just with this oh, fabulous yeah. cake. I know. I distinctly remember to my friend Elliot, and he will remember if he ever watches or <laughs> listens to this, um, I used to go to the track nightclub mm-hmm. <laughs> when we were like 19 20 and I used to take a bag of rumbles I used to make rumbles and these like chocolate crackle cookies and I'd give them to my friend Elliot Yum. and we'd meet out at clubs with all the guys and all the girls and I'd be walking around this club with this bag of rumbles and I remember my best friend <laughs> Gabby girl? <laughs> yeah, but this friend Gabby was like like this bouncer was like following me and like Gabby was like, went up to the bouncer and he was like, no, 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 they're not drugs. They're rumbles. <laughs> and you get, and, and I like, literally would you. give them to like, Elliot in particular was like the one guy that just like loved my cooking. So I was like, okay, here you go, Elliot, I'll bring you these, I'll bring you these. And I made him like cake pops for his party. And like, wow. I don't know, this one guy friend just like loved that stuff. And then more guys sort of liked it. And there you go. And then girls and yeah. But then also funnily enough, like now people that buy my products are like either my really, really close friends and not even like my closest friends from school. It's kind of girls that I actually wasn't that close with at, at school. It's mm-hmm. kind of like they've followed my journey even uh-huh. more and then now I'm making their engagement cakes and, you know. Wedding birthday. cakes. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's, it's really nice to have that community as well. Did, did mo- like when, when did Instagram come into it? Like how early? Day dot. Uh, so like okay. I started my I'm an Instagram business. Oh, I don't know. Like I started my business on Instagram in 2000 and um well, the first post I posted this the other day, the first post of on Bake Me Cake Me was in 2013 in oh, wow. March. Okay. And 
so it was when my dad started getting quite ill. Mm-hmm. Um, and But before then, I was doing them from 2012 because on the on 28th of March 2013, I posted about 20 photos Jesus. of different cakes and cupcakes that I'd made Okay, um, that was on my personal page. And so people just found you from there and, and then they'd people follow. Just, yeah, so like I got the bulk of my followers um, from my personal account because like doing modelling, I'd always do promotions and I don't know. I was one time on Triangle Swimwear Instagram. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember Triangle yeah. Swimwear. And then I just got like, boom, so many thousands of followers. And then I think when I said I've I've started a cake page, people must have known that I love doing cakes and they liked watching it. So then they all sort of started following. But for ages and a huge chunk of time, chunk of time it was always around like 5,000 followers uh-huh. for years, like Five, six years, like just always like that. And then in the last, since 2017, so mid, so I left in July and since then it just kind of went up and up and I'm, I'm not, I don't even have that many folks. Like, it's, it's a uh, lot. I mean, it's enough to have a community. It's yeah. enough to have people that. I mean, I've never tr- paid for them either. So they're just like, they're I'm, just, I'm hanging out to get to 10,000 followers. So <laughs> all I can do is that swipe up. I know. So many people want I that. It's so want frustrating. I just swipe up. <laughs> I just feel like it's going to make people like buy my stuff so much easier. Like just swipe up. It will change the way that you do the business for sure. I think. Yeah. Um, oh, and trust me, when I get to 10,000, I'll be doing a huge sale online. So like <laughs> there'll be something in it for my customers too. What are you, what are you at now? 8,400 or something. You should do a hard push for 10,000. You should do like a competition or something. Yeah, you can win. Honestly, guys, if you're listening, <laughs> you can win $1,000 worth of baked me cake me, like whatever. You should do. You should seriously <laughs> do that because I can imagine that from really what's like an – it's sort of a personalized e-commerce business. Mm. That is just amazing yeah. to, go, to have people go up and, and shop immediately. Oh, it's like I only just did – I've never had a website up until this year. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> so I never even, like people told me you need a website, like you need a Facebook page for Bake Me Cake Me. So I did that three years ago and I just kind of, I don't, I should probably put more effort into the Facebook page, but nah. they're like, no, website, website, website. And I was going to get a girl to design it for me who, you know, she did the Lux Bite website and stuff like that. And she did a great job. But at the same time, it's like two and a half grand, which is not too bad, but like two and a half grand, three grand. I'm like, I've you just got to prioritize what, what I'm going to put that money towards. And like on Shopify, I just taught myself. And honestly, yeah, like you, don't you can it. just teach yourself. And I did, did the free trial for two weeks, imported everything. And I was like, this looks like shit. I'm going to delete it. Yeah. And then I deleted it because I was like, oh, it's just too hard. I'm just going to pay someone to do it. And then after like deliberating, I was like, nah. You've tried it once, just just do it, try it again. And like I've laid out, you know, I did my own website and I've still got lots to put on it, <laughs> but it's like exactly how I wanted it. So I was proud that like I actually made that. But like Shopify makes it so easy. It's like, easy. And the thing is your whole thing is based on Instagram. Like Instagram is the e-commerce, becoming the e-commerce yeah. platform of and the world. And they've got shop now, like shop via, you know, Instagram. Like Exactly. Yeah. I just think that it makes so much more sense for you to put your time, effort, money into doing more around that, whether it's making things, posting about it, whatever. Yeah. And then just having a very simple, like your, your website is basic and it doesn't need to be anything more. No, like, I literally just I wanted, can find like, where I, what exactly. I want to buy shit. Like you, if you just want cupcakes, you scroll to the cupcake section. Or like if you just want chocolate biscuits, you just 
Yeah, I I think a lot of people overdo that stuff. You don't need a lot. I just wanted all the products and then Gabby, my best friend, was like, you need an About Me page. You have to. And I was like, what? That was very handy, by the way. Yeah, and she was like, the notes were very handy. The About Me. That's the first thing I go to. And you know when I go on my Shopify account, like back of house or whatever, it's like the number one page that's looked at is about Zoe, the About Zoe page. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is weird. That's interesting. So that is the number one page. Wow. And like mixed chocolate picky box. Of course, of course. Now, what have you learnt about the in like because you've had people like Steph and Laura post about bake me cake me? I think I mentioned before in the kitchen that um, that w- it wasn't actually Lauren who I found out about you from. It was actually like Laura or someone posting about it. Yeah, and I remember she. It was at that same time because we just gotten engaged, and Lauren was thinking about how All to tell cookies. tell her. Uh, her bro- her bridesmaid, uh, she's only having a maid of honor. So like, how can how does she tell her? So, uh, yeah, she got the cookies because I think she saw yeah. it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. So I've actually sent cookies to Lauren. Did I send? Cookies I think Lauren? you have. Yeah, because now that that rings more of a bell. Because like I knew her name from uni. But then I was like, why is it so familiar? And now I have actually remember maybe writing Lauren LeFacro on like a express post fact. Um, That's right. Sorry, she, forgive and me. She it's, just like, there's just so many names of whatever. I can imagine. Um, so, yeah, I think my poor girl that was helping me today did like 40 express bags today, like just Jeez. today. like Just express bags. Yeah. I only do express. Oh, okay. So I, I believe that it's handled less. Okay. And I actually asked the post, like, that's why you just pay like a few. I would rather pay a few more dollars to get cookies like perfect than like handled so many times. Uh-huh. And like when I went to the post office, they were like, you're actually right. Like you should get expressed because they're handled less. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Interesting. Um, so did you learn anything about that? Like have you thought about. Like the influencers. I, yeah. Oh. Like have you thought about doing more stuff with them, reaching out to them more? Of course, like influencers, yeah, they they do help, of course. And like Steph, like Steph's posts, I will always be grateful for Steph's <laughs> posts. Like they just, she really made that whole bridal cookie thing that I did, like boom. A business. Yeah. Yeah, she made it into she a made business. She made that into a business. Yeah. Um, she, she is, her and Laura, I've started calling them king, king makers or queen makers. Yeah. Those guys are amazing. It's just, and it's just amazing. Like I actually like started calling it the Steph Claire Smith because like the SCS or whatever, because I'm like, Steph, you have a cookie named after you. Everyone just says, I want what Steph had. <laughs> or like previously I'd made cookies for Nadia Bartel's son uh-huh. um, and Aston. And they were like, I want what Nadia Bartel had. Wow. It's like, don't you just, you can have the same style, but don't you want like a different color or like make it your own? And they're like, no, I want Nadia Bartels. Wow. It must be super fascinating to see the trends around that. Yeah. And to see what people are doing. That is super fascinating. Yeah. So it's just so funny. So like, especially those Steph Close Smith ones, like I want exactly what she had. And I'm like, it's just funny because like, yes, Steph asked for a cookie with like somehow to say, will you be my bridesmaid? But, like, I'm sort of the one that came up with how it looked with the sprinkles in the bag. And, like, it's kind of like, yeah, it's Steph's one. But, like, it's my one. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> that, must be, that must be weird but as well. I'm just very, very, very thankful of her. And, yeah, like, seriously, whatever Steph wants, she can have. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, let's get into sort of the nuts and bolts of the business model. You've got the cakes, cookies. 
you've got these sort of specialty things like Tim Tams, Mint Slice. Yeah, which are um, called now Miss Minty. Miss Minty. And Zim Zams. Okay, Zim Zams. <laughs> and my Jam and Wagons. Now, I was saying to you before, yep. have you ever, like, how do you, because this is such a personalised thing, like it's you making it. Mm. How do you grow as a creator? Do you uh, charge people more? Do you make more? What sort of, the, where's your mindset going with that so stuff? So, at the moment... Because your time like is in the last, Yeah, in the last, like, uh, week or two weeks, I have a uh, – I don't have a demand issue. I have a supply issue. Okay. So, like, I used to just make, like, yeah, 30 cookies a week. Great. Then I started making, like, 100 cookies a week. And then I started doing, like, universal pictures jobs. That's like right. Like, Kmart, Brand, 950 cupcakes. Like, Jesus. I'm not a cupcake factory. Like, if they wanted that amount, I'm like, why don't they just go to a cupcake factory or the Cupcake Queens or Cupcake Central? Like, why don't they go there? I don't know whether I they wanted them too personalised or whether they actually loved my, um, you know, cooking or baking or de- decoration because that woman who ordered the Kmart job, she I baked a cake for her son and she happened to know my sister who's a doctor. Like she's somewhere through the grapevine knew one of like someone knows a Dem in somewhere like <laughs> in Melbourne. Like there's so many of us spread from like 46 to 27. Okay. So someone knows someone of the Dem family, I feel, in, in, you know, Melbourne or, you know, around our suburbs. So I got that job from her. So I don't know. But she was like, I loved what you did for my son mm. and the flavors and the, and the design detail. I want you to do this for work. So she didn't mind spending a little bit because I'm like – that's fine, but you're going to have to spend, like, you want them individually boxed, everything. Like, that's like a whole gift. Like, so that's not just making one cupcake with a swirl and some sprinkles and there you go. So you're going to have to spend a bit more because the time that it actually takes packaging and stuff, you have to pay for. And they're like, we get it. Like, you know, and there's a that's bit of fine. compromise. Yeah. But yeah, they were like, we would prefer to pay you for the time and effort that you put in rather than. I don't know, a bigger company or something, a factory, I don't know. Okay. And so But I'm I'm working on sca- like just scaling now. So yes, I can't do everything now because the business is getting bigger bigger. I am I found my like casual girls that help me with packaging, dispatch, shipping. Um and then I've also now found a casual um uh Baker and he's actually a pastry chef, which oh, he's wow. actually someone I've known for quite a few years. Uh-huh. Um, and he has been great. And it's just so lovely to see someone that I know and trust and be able to work with now. Um, and I've seen him grow like over many years. And he says like, I'm, I can't, you know, decorate a cake like you. And I was like, I don't need you to. I just need you to know how to like make these Tim's, like these Zim Zams, these Jammer Wagons and the Miss Minties. And then like, I want to work off you as well and learn how to work with pastry. Cause like, mm. I don't know anything about pastry. Like I can make pastry, but I can't make a croissant or anything like that. Like it would be nice to actually work with someone as more of a team mm. that knows that stuff. So It sounds yeah. like you need to speak to someone who's worked at a sort of commercial, not commercial kitchen, but in an environment like someone who's worked for Zumbo. Yeah. Well, Do you know what I mean? So or Birch funnily and enough, I got him a job placement with, so I know Zumbo. Do you really? Yeah. He, you he's given me his... Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I know him, Matt Moran. I know Catherine Sabbath. 
Wow. Um, there's a few bakers that I've just met over time and it's literally from me going up to them. When he opened his Emporium shop, okay. he was there in Melbourne and I was working in Emporium and I was like, oh my God, Zumbo's here. I'm going to go see him and introduce myself. And this was back in 2015, I think, when he opened his shop or 2016. And I met him and I was like, you know, my brother had a shop downstairs at the time and he was like, oh, you should give Zumbo this fried tea that we've got. So it was like a packet of fries and like with fried. I was like, yeah, okay. Because I was, we- sorry, I was wearing it that day as a T-shirt dress. And he was like, oh, I love your T-shirt. So I went downstairs and I called Nick and Simone. And I was like, guys, Adriana Zumbo is upstairs like my like macaron, like pastry idol. Can we give him a T-shirt? And then they were like, yeah, 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 go get it. So I got him this T-shirt, gave it to him. And then as a as a thank you to me, he gave me a whole box of like 70 macarons for free. Whoa. I was like – and then he didn't even have – he at the time didn't have like a pamphlet thing that had like all the flavours on it. So he hand wrote on a notepad for me all what the flavours. Wow. And I was like, so I've met him, Catherine, at another event I went up to. And two years later, Catherine remembered who I was. Like, wow. these people are just so big, but they're so down to earth and so lovely. Particularly in hospitality. In hospitality, because you can, yeah. And but, so, do you think that, like, the next step is to open a shop or just have a kitchen? So, like I wanted kitchen. a commercial kitchen. I'm in the process. I have found a space I won't say where, but I have found a space that I'm renting. Um, So we're getting a bit of an upgrade in Bake Me Cake Me because I can no longer keep up with the demand at my mum's house. (laughs) Plus, I just need some help and I feel like it's better not to do that at mum's house, give her a house back. Um, Because what what I've always thought would be cool, because I've looked at, uh, you know, the items over time, it would just be cool to be able to go into, it doesn't have to be a store, just like a little space. Yeah. Uh, like, and just taste different things and then be able to bulk order stuff. Yeah, so which is what I found as well. Like on my website, there is no point selling one or two cookies and shipping them because mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay like double the amount in freight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and I don't want just all these people rocking up to my mum's house buying like one cookie. Yeah. That's also where the cookie vending machine came about. That's right, the pink vending machine. Yeah, so I liked that and for people to have at events and things. It's really heavy though. People aren't going to want to do the cost of transporting it. So that is going to go somewhere soon. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm just all keeping a lot of stuff secret for the time being. Mm. But there's the kitchen, there's the vending machine, and then there's also a pop-up sort of opportunity that I'm looking into towards the end of the year. So uh-huh. just, yeah, you'll have something. And I'm, you know, working on my market store I've actually got Market Store Co. on board, so, like, they're making me a whole sort of mini, like, pop-up market store uh-huh. thing. <laughs> Wait, you did, and you did a pop-up pop recently, like, the other I week? I did, uh, yeah, so I did that at Ruben's Cafe um, in Turak Village, and that was great. Like, I sold out, I couldn't believe it. Like, people came from, like, there was one woman and her family came from, like, an hour away. Jesus. I was like, I feel so, like, I would have just sent you the cookies, like... <laughs> Yeah, but it is an amazing thing. Like how amazing – could you have thought when you were a kid that you would have an era where you could make friends and you can see what they're doing and not even know them or meet them in person and then have that ability when you meet them in person to know everything about them? Yeah. Like we've been doing this podcast for two years. I remember um, we met someone who was a listener 
and it was so weird. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to... Our audience isn't as big as yours, but... Or, or someone like Laura or Steph or whatever. Yeah. But when you have... And they know everything. And that's like... It's, it's pretty it's, mind-blowing. What's nice is... Like, when I was away on the weekend... Um, I was sitting at the cocktail bar in Jackalope. <laughs> so we were we had a few drinks that day, so I was like feeling pretty good. And feeling these, talkative. Yeah, very <laughs> talk even more talkative. Um and this woman came up and she was like, Are you Zoe from Bake Me Cake Me? I was like, Oh my god, like, yeah, hey. I was like, Oh, why do I always meet these people when I'm drunk? <laughs> anyway, and like she came up and she actually said, like, I've been following you for six like six years or however long so you know there's a lot of people that follow me that say I love your work I love your work um that have been following me recently which is great because I always want new people you know following the business and being a fan and you know supporter and a customer but like people that actually have seen me from day dot to now that's amazing because that means that I've just somehow like I don't, they've obviously loved watching me grow and just love seeing what I produce. And it's just quite surreal. Like, I I find it very strange. I remember talking to Laura about this um, off camera, and she was just saying that you'd never get used to it. You'd never get used to people coming up to you and thinking that they would like you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's such a strange thing. And do you know what Dalton actually, funnily enough, said to me when I first met him years ago? This is before, well, it's when I had Bake Me Cake Me, but it was when I was more in the modelling side. He goes, you're so much more down to earth than your posts, than what you seem like. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. Like that gave me a big reality check. This is before Insta stories. This is before I did any of those, you know, things I do on Bake Me Cake Me, the rants, like anything like that. (laughs) This was just like posting selfies and stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, like really? Like... I just thought that was me and, like, that's what I was doing for my life at the time and, you know, I posted things about food and family and stuff. But when people were like, that's not who you are, I was kind of like, shit. So when I, I'm on Bake Me, Cake Me, I just like to stay as true and genuine to myself as I can. Mm. So if I'm on my stories and I'm doing these rants and I'm angry or I'm pissed off or I'm not wearing makeup, like, that's just what I do. Like, sometimes I'll go to the shop in Ugg boots, like, whatever. Yeah. Like, that's just I want to show people that – you can't like that's just you know it's it's a personal blog and it's a business yeah. so i don't really know like eventually it will probably be more business less personal blog yeah but where does it, it's a tough it's thing it's kind of where do you, where do you blend the yeah line? because i like that you know it's it shows people you know i have things of my dad or my family i like incorporating them because they are part of me and i mm. you know bake me cake me is a big part of me this is mine yeah and it that authenticity is what people love like that is the power of the internet authenticity Mm. everyone loves authenticity they don't like people being fake and that's you know that that to me is like a mistake that i think we've made with our own content that we made that because we're both perfectionists that a lot of the times we don't do anything that people can understand about us or what we're creating yeah it was actually my psychologist who told me that you know, she was talking about the fact that you're you're there documenting people's journeys, and it just you know the stuff that you got that you do, Laura, Steph, etc. It just it brings out I don't know. It's just a, it's real, and people mm. love that shit. I don't know how to even word this, but it's like 
being authentic, but like, I don't, it's almost like I'm just trying to be me. But then when people are like, oh, I love hearing about like your background and your stories and all this. And I'm like, oh yeah, I did tell people that. Like, I don't know. I just, it's almost like I'm ranting just to myself. It's like a diary. Yeah. It's like a visual diary. I think you should <laughs> And then work- I'm like, shit, I've actually told like so many people. And, you know, I went from like a couple of hundred people watching my stories to now or averaging like, I don't know, 2,000, which is pretty big for me. Like some mm. weeks are like three, th- like that rant <laughs> <laughs> got up to 3,000 views. And I was like, I don't understand. Like I'm just speaking my opinion. Like why are so many people watching? And someone told me, I forgot who it was. They were like, because we love drama. Yeah, humans <laughs> we love, love drama. controversy. <laughs> and I was like, of course, my favourite, like, you know, after work, I just can't wait to sit on the couch and watch reality TV. Like, <laughs> I just, I've applied for Love Island and I, you know, I like, you know, this was a year ago or whatever, but like, I love Married at First Sight and like, you know, I'm great friends with Tell from Married at First Sight, but I okay. met him going to Ryan's comedy show and I just like literally was a fangirl. <laughs> I, I'm so out of the loop with oh, all of that Oh, you need shit. to watch it. <laughs> I, for a I while, love it. we weren't watching Free to Wear. Um, yeah, I still watch Free to Wear. I yeah, but I got to say, when you go back to watching Free to Wear, it's actually quite a nice cathartic experience. Like it's yeah. it's very, you know, like with Netflix, YouTube, ABC, iView, whatever, you have to put in effort like, <laughs> to to select what you're going to watch, and then because there's such a yeah. a selection, you're like, well, this is shit, so I'm going to. So you I don't know. actually watch anything. You're like, there's nothing on here that I. You just spend the whole time flicking, right? You, you're just like you scrolling. Do. Or, you pull out your phone and then you start looking at your yeah. phone. And I'm terrible at that. And I've um Oh, you watch a Netflix thing and I pull out my phone and I'm like, Instagram. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not even watching it. Yeah, I've had to do things like on every Wednesday night now we go and watch a movie. This is like some of the lifestyle changes that the psychologist gave me. Yeah. Because I was working too much or whatever. And yeah, so I find like movies is great mm. because you don't um like, you, ca- you can't whip your phone out. You can't just start watching Instagram stories. Exactly, exactly. Um, otherwise, you'd be making a noise. But, um, yeah, free-to-wear is really good like that. I love it. And, like, I still, like, I love it for the reality side. And then, yeah, you just sit there and watch what you're doing. But I remember, like, my sister and I used to run in the front room of our old house and we would watch, like, whatever movies were on Friday, Saturday nights. And then we would love, like, Dad would be like, but we have that on tape. We have that on a VHS tape. Like millennials, VHS. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we'd be like, no, but we love the ads. We actually loved the ads because it w- it gave They're us good. time to go to the toilet to get snacks. <laughs> <laughs> we used to say we loved, we loved this thing. And like, yeah, I just love from a young age as well. Like I used to watch cooking shows. Like my dream job would have been, you know, my own cooking show. Because I, I still watch Justine. Like if I yeah. every at 3.30 or whenever she's on TV. Who? I used to watch Ready, Steady, Cook. Who was Ready, that Steady, big, Cook was amazing. Who was that big fat guy? Um, <laughs> Huey? No. Huey, yeah. Yeah, Huey. Huey's Cooking Adventures. Huey's Cooking Adventures. Wow. Oh, I used to watch that. That used to be just honestly the remedy when you're, when you're sick at school and you come home at lunchtime. It would be like Huey's Cooking, Ready, Steady, Cook and then Oprah or something like yeah so uh, that, that was so that was that era oh like uh something like Jerry Lake no something like there was a show Jerry Lake does sound familiar and, anyway I, I mean ready how good was ready City yeah, Cook? It was so that good. was that was the beginning of 
Was the, McGann the new food, on that? Yeah, he was definitely on that. Yeah, they were, they were all, all so on young. It. Yeah, this that was I the beginning. Red, of, and it was tomatoes and capsicums. I yeah. love it. Yeah, I wish they um they still they've still got it. And I don't just know. Oh, oh, do they? It? I feel like Justine was doing it for a while. Ready, steady, cook. Yeah. God. Maybe I'm. Maybe they don't. No, I don't maybe think so. Maybe tripping balls, but someone needs to bring that back. Um, they should bring it back. Because I worked for George Columbaris, and that's how he made his name. He oh. started on Ready Steady Cook. Anyone who yeah. started on Ready Steady Cook became they a celebrity chef. They have made it. Yeah. There's only one or two that ha- they're not celebrity chefs now, but probably through their own decisions, like they just didn't like yeah. it. Um, yeah. There's actually a really famous chef, um, and he just runs his restaurant in Carlton, like redhead guy. Um, does a lot of like beef and slow cooked stuff and can't remember his name. But there was so many like Miguel and I love Miguel. He's Evans and he was at the George Expo when I was there. (laughs) Yeah, all the all those guys. Just on um, the the authenticity element, I think yeah, the the harder you go on that, the the better for you in the long term. Like I'd love to see a cake inspired by your dad or a cookie. Mm. Oh, that was the that's where the Tim Tams were because like he loved Tim Tams and mince. So all these chocolate biscuits already. He liked that. Yeah. So uh-huh. the problem with my dad, I just haven't really touched on it, but like on my post, but I did for Tim Tams. So I did like a Tim Tams for Father's Day. So whenever I do it, and I do it every year, I'll do it again this year. So every box of Tim Tams for Father's Day, like $1 from each Tim Tam goes to the bladder cancer charity. Uh huh. Yeah. So in wow. memory of him, because that was his favorite. Like chocolate biscuit, he would love royals. He would love mint slices. Like his health really deteriorated because he used to just like midnight snack, go get not one, not two, but like a whole pack. He'd eat like a whole packet. Jesus, like he his terrible. His diet was terrible. Lauren, Lauren's dad does that. He oh, can pound through like a block. Si- of tra- and I used to do that too. I yeah. used to sit there and eat like a half a block, if not a full block, of marvelous creations. Not when they were skinny block, when they were those fat blocks. Wow. And I used to like just sit there and I'd just like eat and eat. Like as a kid, I had like seven fillings. What, what did Jesus? What do you do now? Like with your own diet and the sugary stuff that you cook with every single or bake with every single day. Like, yeah. how do you sort of manage all that? Um, once you cook enough of it or make enough of it, you don't want You're it. Sick of it. It's yeah. like working at Macca's. Like when my siblings all used to work at McDonald's, they loved it at the start, and then they were like, "I was like, yes, don't you just want to eat all the time?" They're like, "Absolutely not." Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. I, I worked at Hungry Jack's on uh, on a broiler machine. Oh, where they, yeah. Where they put the, the meat, the meat. in. Mm. Yeah, that's some horrible stuff. Yeah. Although The Founder, funnily enough, is one of my favourite films. Brilliant film. It is brilliant. And I seriously stand by like that. And what's my other favourite film? Cruel Intentions. And <laughs> <laughs> that is my favourite film. But there's another one that I got, like The Founder. Just I watched that religiously. Like I, the first time I ever watched The Founder was when I came back from America the first time in, well, you know, the first time of that year um, in May 2017. And I was like, this movie is impeccable. Like, yeah. 
Ray Kroc, bit of an asshole, but like he just like persistence. That's where I learned all about persistence. And then that's when I was like, F this, I'm going to New York again and I'm going to try and like just make it. Well, it's, a like story, just, it's a story that you can relate to because it's, oh. in, a, it's in an industry, it, you know, it's still food, mm. you know, so it's something that you can somewhat relate to. Uh, yeah, exactly. And like the brothers, like the McDonald brothers, they were like, you know, wanted to keep it as authentic as possible by keeping this small sort of burger place but then you know Ray Kroc was like but that's such a good idea like franchise it franchise it and like if only they just listened to him (laughs) (laughs) if they didn't listen to him then we wouldn't have probably the greatest hangover snack or drunk snack ever yeah McChicken with extra mayo it's just so good (laughs) yeah um now anyway off McDonald's (laughs) we've got this I still want to cover uh bladder cancer Australia yes um and we're hitting on time okay so I'll be quick. No, no, that's fine. I think I think there's a few things that we we've missed as we've spoken. So, as probably if people have realised, your father passed away in 2013. Yeah. So that was from bladder cancer, um, and I believe as the as you write that essentially he'd had prostate cancer, but mm. he wasn't aware that the symptoms were related to bladder mm. cancer because they sort of mimicked that yeah. essentially. Um. Where did the idea, you know, it was it was created with your sister, yep. Stephanie. Mm. Uh, where did the idea to create this group come from? Like, what, why, why impose that further work on yourself when you could have gone to any other, you know, like, you know, there, there's so many different support su- groups, or groups, whatever. agencies. Like, there really wasn't for bladder cancer. So okay. my sister coming from the medical side and she was, you know, studying urology and things like that. That was so important to her. She really didn't find, she couldn't find a support network for her to be able to deal with what she was going through. Uh So I guess that's in a way how she wanted to channel her, you know, emotions and things. She wanted a support group and she was like, there's nothing like there's, you know, blue September or there's prostate cancer awareness or, you know, testicular cancer. There's all these other cancers that are are more um, like, you know, how breast cancer is like a sexy cancer and there's already... Yeah, there's more. There's certain cancers that are more prevalent. Exactly. Like breast cancer and ovarian cancer seem to be one of those two skin cancers that get lots Mm. and lots of funding. Lots of funding. And there was nothing like, you know, bladder cancer is not as... is uncommon, huh? (laughs) Um, uh, but it's actually like the eighth most common cancer in the western world so yeah so it's actually it is a lot more common and there's just amazing like the amount of you know since we sort of started that in 2014 there's another group that we now work that have a larger board um, of members and we work under them so they're bladder, bladder cancer org that's right yeah Yep. So Steph sort of manages like the social media side for that, and I just help with the fun um, fundraising and events and things like that from that side and point of view. And I love incorporating anything that we can do. When I was working in fashion, we did donations from White Suede, we did from Autonomy, we did them. You know, I do them for Bake Me Cake Me a lot of the time, and I will continue doing the Father's Day thing and yeah. things like that. So I, there's always, yeah, I definitely always want some sort of fundraising thing. But it's definitely it was Steph's 
initial idea to ma- create this support network. Okay. And so really you saw it as an opportunity to to throw your support behind her to, to give it some legs yeah, with what you she, were doing. Yeah. And I guess like I don't even know if she had like Instagram f- at that time personally. I don't think she did. And she was – I was like, oh, I'll help you start that up and run the Instagram page for that. Page for that. Uh-huh. Um, but she is so much better with – knowing all the stuff about the medical side of bladder cancer. I'm more about the awareness and advocacy and things like that. So it's amazing. Like in August, we're going, like I'm going away for the month to go to a bladder cancer think tank that she was invited to last year in Denver. um, And she was like speaking at and talking to all these other bladder cancer awareness groups around the world. And there's a huge advocacy network in, um, in America and Canada. So we're all getting it together in August. Okay. Yes. And so the, the main aim so there's a few things. There's awareness, education, supporting research and promoting prevention. Yeah. What do you think, like, has Steph articulated what is the number one thing that could help with this the most? Do you think it's the prevention, like teaching I think it's GPs? Pre- yeah, teaching GPs, 100%. So yeah. we've got like, you know, it's a slow, you know, path that we're taking, but it's like already working under Bladder Cancer Org has been an amazing step forward and you know they've created you know these booklets that people can get online to get more um, knowledge about it but just more so GPs like getting them to know more about you know oh if you've got like you've got you're going to the toilet and you see a bit of pink in your pee please don't leave that like if there's any sight of like blood where there shouldn't be blood coming out like just go to your doctor and yeah. then so it's people knowing the signs of it or like symptoms of just being like aware of that and then it's the GPs knowing okay we need to take some tests we need to take this further mm-hmm. and then they need to know that no it, you know it couldn't it's may not be a side effect of prostate cancer it could be a sign of something else yeah 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 it must be very very hard like to in the initial stages to get the word out there yeah 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 it's <laughs> To start a charity as well as, uh, well, is it a charity or would you call it a No, it is a charity um, because we do raise like quite a few funds, um, you know, thousands each year. And we do it in sort of, we try doing it in like fun ways compared to like being really like sterile. And I don't know, like we, you know, we've done this, um, we teamed up with Damselfly. We sort of do merchandise every year. So for Biggest Morning Tea one year, we did like teacups and for every teacup with our logo on it, that kind of went to the bladder cancer uh-huh. organization we raise we did um this year we've done candles with damselfly and they sort of do like funny like kind of quotes on candles so we did like pink don't kill my vibe <laughs> and then like with a pink candle and then on the bottom it says pink p see your gp <laughs> so things like that that's like that, um, that's we sort of idea. take take the mickey i guess like a bit like just to you know create these and you know we had these awesome t-shirts made up by some friends of ours um in that bladder cancer support network and community that were like you know all these funny kind of p terms but in like the shape of a bladder we've had merchandise we've had all these things that like these we did nail polishes one year um that were sign of hematuria that's the biggest thing we get out there hematuria which is blood in the urine uh-huh okay yeah. you know i i could see it being very it reminds me of something that I've seen in the bathroom at the airport. There's always in the oh, men's yeah. bathroom, there's a thing about prostate cancer. Okay, yeah. And it's something about like a, a certain symptom. Like I can't remember what it actually says, but you always notice it. Mm. 
And it's like it's so relevant. Well, I wouldn't know what, yeah. Like public, public or, you know, corporate bathrooms, that might be an interesting one. Mm. C- coming up with um, be little awesome. posters. Yeah, there. little posters. Totally. Because men, I feel like, a, well, I, I don't know, I feel like I was taught this in high school even, like they're less likely to go to the doctor because they're a bit more scared or nervous. Mm. So it's just, yeah, you just got to make sure you're super aware of this stuff. Yeah, I think guys are more likely to And smoking to is a huge off. factor, actually. Yeah. The number one cause is smoking. Really? And also being around like toxic sort of chemicals. Like in, if you're in a work environment that has a lot of, um, I don't know what the real terms are, but like toxic, yeah, chemicals, just if you're in like fumes. Like there was a guy that um, I think he was from Germany and he had bladder cancer and he was working on motorbikes. So he had all this like petrol, like, you know, engine smells and stuff. So you got to be careful with that. Is it like, like, do you think as an example with your father, do you like, is it uh, genetic or is it just, is it circumstantial to the environment? They said about the smoking, but like he quit smoking 35 years prior to when he died and yeah. he never could afford a pack of cigs. Like my dad was not, well, you know, they made a lot of their money like many years later. So yeah. like he, he couldn't even afford a pack of ciggies. So that is a bit funny. I still believe, and this is just me, I'm not talking from a medical side or anything, but if he had prostate cancer, I feel like something must have. Maybe it metastasized? Yeah, yeah it did to the lungs. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then he had brain cancer, so it spread everywhere. Wow. Yeah, so that was in like um, the last like six months, but then it really spread to everywhere in the last like, I don't know, month. It was honestly like one time he went for a PET scan, it was just localised, and then the next one it was like lit up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very, very hard to know what the actual correlation is without them saying we think it's generally this or that. Yeah, like I'm not – yeah, I can't really – Say that's just my viewpoint, and I I'm, I'm no I'm not medical, so I can't yeah. really. So like my grandfather smoked a pack a day uh, for years, but then he quit like forty years before he died. Mm. Um, he had emphysema or some sort of lung disease mm. or cancer or some uh, you know it was he could not breathe essentially. But they don't they can't tell you what it was, but we actually think it was related to him working on blackwood. He was a carpenter. Mm. And Blackwood puts out like a a certain type of really low particle dust, dust and yeah. he only worked on Blackwood for like fifteen years without any protection equipment or anything. Classic old yeah, guy, old like guy. just doesn't put yeah. anything on, no gloves, no mask, nothing. So he's breathing it in all the time, and it yeah. just it, yeah, it's. One and of then also, things. I think it's a bit of a luck of the draw. Like my like grandpa, mum's dad was an alcoholic. And he drowned in the Maribyrnong River, Whoa. stumbling home. Wow. But after they tested, like, his liver, it was, like, 100% fine. Like, he was a full-blown alcoholic. Wow. And he was, like, absolutely fine. Maybe like he, he just died felt- from not being able to swim. Oh. Like, yeah, he, dr- he just drowned from not being able to swim. Wow. Yeah. That's so fascinating. How Eastern European of him to be hitting the booze hard. That, yep. Yeah. The, that generation, uh, yeah, Lauren's grandparents certainly liked to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Definitely Michael as well. <laughs> Definitely me. <laughs> now, I want to jump into some sort of rapid fire questions yes. to finish off. Okay. Um, I asked you before we started recording about what your 
day looks like. I normally ask what people's morning routine, evening routine looks like, but I'm okay. I'm really interested to what's a day in the life of you look like? Okay. A day in the life is get up at about I don't know, six I don't get up too early, so six thirty, seven o'clock. Jump in the shower, put moisturizer on, put my clothes on, out the door. I don't really eat breakfast. Okay. I go straight to work. So at the moment I'm living in Richmond and then mm-hmm. I go to work, which is like a five minute drive. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as I get to work, I just I, in the, as soon as I get to work, I just go straight to the kitchen. I will right now I'm getting on to like a calendar plan. So I say for today, I went straight to I'd already had my dough prepped. Mm-hmm. So I get the dough out of the fridge and I just roll. I yep. just roll dough and I punched out cookies and I just put them in the oven and like for two, three hours straight, I just make cookies, like bases. Wow. And then I have a break around like 11. I'll have a quick break and I'll just have lunch if I really want to eat. Okay. Otherwise, I generally don't eat until about three. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I have a really bad diet <laughs> and like <laughs> schedule. <laughs> I just don't eat breakfast. Anyway, um, and... So then I'll just bake, 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 and then I'll just clean up a bit or mum will help clean up, and then I will start decorating, and I just decorate, decorate, decorate. Now I have my casual girls, so they're great, so I get them to come in a couple of days a week, and then they will package them for me. Uh-huh. But before I got them to do it, I used to take out my stickers that I designed and get printed, and I write the best before dates, best before dates. I sit there and just write best before dates, <laughs> and then I put the biscuits in the packages, seal them, um, and then, yeah, I just – but I sort of break it down so, like, one day will be dough, one day will be um, making the biscuits and assembling them, another day will be packaging and shipping. Okay. So I break it out like that. But I will be working – but then in the in between, I will get out my phone and I will do rants or I'll do filming of the food. I will do Insta stories. Like, you've got to keep that up because there is really a trend if you – sort of do keep that up, yeah. it does equal to sales. And that is how my business started. Uh-huh. So I can't really, when people say just go in, do your job, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, because I need to do this as well because this is such a big part of it. Yeah. That converts to sales, that converts to more people following that. It's all like a, a loop. Okay. So, you know, if I've done a new product Every day, single day that I make something off for a client, I will take out my photog- my little photography studio, which is just basically cardboard sheets of paper, and I put it up next to some natural light and I'll take some photos on my phone. <laughs> then I'll spend some time editing the photos and then I will go back to cooking and then cleaning up and then I try and fit in the gym. Like I try and go to Pilates like two or three times a week. I go at six o'clock till seven o'clock. I'll come home, make dinner. I'll go on Instagram, answer emails. Sometimes I don't really stop working until like 11. Wow. And then I you just, go to bed? Yeah. And then I get up at 6, 8, 7 o'clock, go down. Do you, um, wow, that's a, that's a long day. Do you, how do you sort of decompress? I don't really have hours. Yeah. I'm trying to work them in. I'm trying to really now do 7 to 4 or 7 to 5 and still can do emails outside of those, but I really try. And it's just made me such a happier person as well, mm. just being able to actually have time to do what I like and I was like well what do I like like <laughs> what I like my hobby was baking like yeah. what's my new hobby now what I do so now That's... I like actually really like reformer Pilates I've never liked sport or any type of exercise ever again but this is great because that's another thing you cannot not focus on you have to just focus on that you can't look at your phone you yeah. can't Lauren loves it she's yeah. obsessed with if it. I went for walks all I do is look at my phone yeah <laughs> I need to like look up and look <laughs> or, at the trees or listen but, it. or I just like don't want to take my phone with me yeah um, what's been the best purchase 
under $200. Ever. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Baking related? Anything. Like, as an example, we get a lot of guests who talk about AirPods. AirPods? AirPods. Oh, AirPods. Yeah. Oh, that is a great one. <laughs> um, but under $200, my eye serum. <laughs> Your eye serum? Is that like a cream that you put on? Okay. I need it now because I've got so many bags under my eyes and like dark circles. Does that, does that shit even work? I don't know. I've or only it tested it out for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they, they get women with like all these different, there's an eye cream, a hand cream. I know. How is it any oh, different? Oh, my hand cream is pretty good. I use the Gardner's Strength Crabtree and Evelyn because my hands are so dry from washing dishes. That That is definitely... I can see that. So that is a great one. Yeah. It's so hard to just pick one. Honestly, my AirPods are great, but I wouldn't say that's the best. I just say something like oh. cookie cutter. Well, just one like my circle cookie cutter. Yes, I'm trying to think of something really clever. I used this thing in New York to make my Tim Tams, and it was like a it's like a pie cutter, uh-huh. but you pull them across, and there's like six in one. Oh, wow. So it's like a piano accordion for like scissors and then it's like a pizza cutter. So you just cut the dough and then you cut it this way and it cuts like, you know, 30 pieces at one time. Funnily enough, I found that not good because I couldn't get them precise. So I just cut every single Tim Tam with one cookie cutter. Jesus. I want someone to invent a giant cookie cutter that might be like 20 centimetres by 10 centimetres or something. Maybe I can get it made. Maybe this should be my yeah, next invention. This is Maybe what should you should do. Hush. But like it just like stamps out like 30 cookies in one. Like that's what I would I want. think you need to get that made. Right, custom Don't made. steal my idea. <laughs> well, can you imagine like for you making – Oh, I need to How get much time done. would like, that save you? It would be so good because yeah. I don't like the scissors because like you can move them. They, they don't have little blades. The other – Best thing I bought, but it's just over two. It's about four hundred. Okay, <laughs> it's my Ag Bay cake leveler. Ag Bay cake leveler. Guys, if anyone listening to this that loves cakes, you got to invest in one. It's a lot of money, but it is a serrated knife, basically. That it's on the horizontal, so ah, the okay. serrated knife is facing this way, yeah, not yeah. like holding it. Yeah, and you you put the measurements on and you wind it up to the exact measurement. So when you're cutting a cake and leveling it to fill with frosting, you just go like this and it cuts at level. Wow. It's just like, it's it's amazing. Wow. That is, I used to be so bad at leveling cakes with a serrated knife. Do you know what, speaking of therapeutic, which you mentioned before, those little, what do you call them? Where palette you, knife? Yeah. Like, with icing and whatnot. Yeah, like that looks so enough. much. That looks like so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Just, I can just imagine myself just getting like melted chocolate and putting it on those special type yeah. of trays where and it hardens do, it. Yeah, love yeah. that shit. Yeah, it's good. They're very therapeutic and a, a cake turntable. You can actually get them for under two hundred bucks. Easy. My okay. cake turn, turntable was so good, and I got it for like fifty bucks. There's like five different things for you. <laughs> you. I reckon if I gave you this question ahead of time, you could have given me a list of 10 products. Oh, I just, yep. First of all, I was like, makeup. <laughs> all right, last question for you. Um, what's a movie that you would recommend to the audience? The Founder. Okay. The Founder? 100%. Yeah. That's your all-time. That's all-time. Greatest movie ever. That is the greatest movie ever. It's so good. It's just persistence. Yep. Do you have it. you read the book? Would you read the book? I would read it. Okay. I would actually read that book. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, otherwise, if it's nothing, that's a bit kind of work related, though, I feel. Um, my other one is Romeo and Juliet. Okay, really? Mm. Okay. A lot of people hate it because they were like, I hate Shakespeare. And then I also did that at school. And I never did it at school. I never studied it at school. But I just, my sister Stephanie took me to see that in the movie theatre when I was like, when did it come out? 96 or something. Yeah. So I would have been four. Like 90s. (laughs) Like, or five or something. And my mum cracked it. She was like, why did you take Zoe to see such a violent film? And it's been like my favourite film ever since. My 21st was like based on that, like the theme was Romeo and Juliet. How old was your sister when she took you there? She would have been like, well, no, she's eight years older than me. Okay. So she's about 12. Yeah. Wow. She Yeah. She went to see it and she took me. And then another film that I love as well and my dad made me watch, like, he put me on his lap um, and watched it was Pulp Fiction. Great film. Unbelievably <laughs> like, good film. How old? Like, also very young. Yeah, you never appreciate it when you're... But you're... he said, there's really some life lessons in here. There is. <laughs> and I was like, Dad, I've turned out fine. Quentin like, Tarantino has got some amazing movies. Reservoir Dogs is an amazing... Like, he's, he hasn't done that many films, but they're all yeah. exceptionally good. I've never seen Kill Bill, though. I've seen oh. everyone but Kill Bill. Uh, Kill Bill 1 and 2, I think there is. Anyway. Mm. But um, Romeo and Juliet, probably just like from Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, He's been the love of my life. How cliche. Oh, <laughs> I would still marry him to this day. So. <laughs> even with even with his uh, yep, good, good old dad bod. I do not care. Don't care. <laughs> All right. Um, look, Zoe, where can people find you and Bake Me Cake Me? Number one spot, Instagram. At Bake Me Cake Me. Yeah. Um, Facebook page. Uh, you can also find me on my website, which is bakemecakeme.com mm-hmm. and bakemecakeme.com.au. And probably, yep, that's All it. those things. All those things. Thanks for coming in. No worries. Thanks, Thanks for lot. the chat. It's been a long chat, but I'm it's thoroughly been so enjoyed long. it. <laughs> Sorry I went off topic for a bit. It's all good. Thanks so much. That's okay. Ta. Good day. Bye. Thank you for making it to the end. Before you run off, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode or do leave us a rating. For Instagram, go follow us on at uncommon underscore podcast. For YouTube, search uncommon podcast and don't forget to subscribe if you're watching this video. Also give us a like or leave a comment on what you thought about the episode. But until next time, thanks so much for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Neural Media. Are you an entrepreneur or marketer who needs help making podcasts, video, or animation? Perhaps you don't have time to manage a freelancer or the budget to deal with an agency. Well, Neural Media can help you with simple and affordable content creation, saving you time and money by taking away the pain of producing that content. To learn more, head to neural.com slash media. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com slash media, play around with our pricing or request a callback directly. Listeners to the show receive a special discount by using the promo code UNCOMMON.